Welcome to episode 78 of Blue Harvest, a Star Wars podcast. I'm your host, Halls Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. That's right. My best friend's back and you're going to be in trouble. Hey mm. now, hey now, my best friend's back. So we got a packed show. Limited amount of time to bang this bitch out. So I'm going to jump right into the business. How's that sound, buddy? Give them the business. Please do. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Blue Harvest Pod and at Will Witten 3. That's me. Um, email us at blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com and buy our merchandise, including the brand new Crippled Ghost shirt, which people are starting to get in the mail this weekend. Apparently, they look really good. So They're you guys sick wanna, as hell. Want to jump on that? And you can get that at tpublic.com slash users slash Blue Harvest Podcast. And Tell I, him who designed that. Our good buddy, Evan DeCellis, designer you know extraordinaire. So um, we have an extra bit of business I want to give out this week. Um, our good buddies over at makingstarwars.net have a Rogue One charity ticket drive going on right now. And uh, as you guys know, uh, tickets finally went on sale this Monday, and I got my tickets uh, in hand, and let me tell you how I did that. I went to the link atm.tk slash makingstarwars. Now, that is for a site called Adam Tickets, and when you go to that link and download the app using that link, you'll automatically donate $1 to charity, to the Starlight Children's Foundation. Then, once you buy your tickets, if you use the code MAKINGSTARWARS, not only will you then donate an additional dollar to Starlight Children's Foundation, you yourself will get $5 off your purchase. If that's not the definition of a win-win scenario, uh, I don't know what is. So guys, please, if, if Adam Tickets has a theater in your area, that they service, please buy your tickets that way and uh, do some good because I know we're all going to go see this movie a whole bunch of times and 
wouldn't it be nice to to do do something nice for the kids so um <laughs> that'll do it for the business that's a really awesome thing for them to do yeah they did it last year um i think they did it maybe through fandango last year and i think uh, adam tickets really stepped up to the plate and is uh really looking to do some good with them so yeah man it's it's nice to um be a part of a community that's gonna you know give back uh through their fandom i really like that about star wars and star wars fans so um that's what being a jedi is about we don't have the clout to turn that many people to uh ticket buy yet not yet my friend you know Maybe one day, but uh, but they do, and uh, it's awesome to see them using their uh, their powers for the light side of the force. So before we jump into this week's news, I'm going to give you guys a rundown of how this episode's going to run. It's going to be a little different than normal episodes. We're going to start off with a couple pieces of news, then we're going to move to emails, and then after that, I am going to basically summarize uh, the book Star Wars Catalyst for my buddy Will, since... He's a busy guy and won't have a chance to read it before the movie, and, and there's some pertinent information um, that gives some good background, backstory elements to Rogue One. But we're going to save that to the end in case you guys haven't finished the book yourself and you don't want to be spoiled. Um, but before we do that, let me catch up with my best friend a little bit. How was your Thanksgiving, buddy? It was great. Got to see family that I haven't seen in a while. Got to see my brother. I haven't seen him in years. So it was great to see him. Awesome. Uh, you sent me some pictures of a phenomenal-looking turkey. Was that your doing? Yeah, I made a turkey, and I surprised myself at how good it was. But it was really fucking good. Like, for a guy that had never baked a turkey before, you know, as a chef, you think, you know, hey, there's some some nervousness there. You're like, oh, man, I, I could really mess this up. Like, you know, this is something my grandma does every year, and I'm worried about it. And I was like, no, nah, man, don't worry about it. Just do the recipe. You can't really mess it up, you know. You, there's just that anxiety. You don't. You don't over the holidays. You don't want to serve a dry ass turkey. Everybody's right. had it and they hate it. But uh, so I got a turkey that was fresh, not frozen. Uh, it had been frozen, but it was in the fresh section, so it was on the thaw already. <clears throat> and I, it was a three percent brine, and I rubbed it down with half the amount of salt I normally would for a regular dry rub brine. But use some poultry seasoning and some thyme and some rosemary, and I rubbed down the skin underneath the skin, like the actual meat. Oh, you got in and did like the deep tissue massage. Yeah, so you let that sit, and what happens is salt draws out the moisture in proteins, which increases the flavor. That's within your protein. So, you know, that's what the whole brining process is, and then it, it soaks that flavor in for like a day, you know, 24 hours, and then you roast that chicken. And every 45 minutes at like 350 degrees, you're sprinkling the juices from the chicken. I added a little chicken broth in the base so the meat never got dry. And every 45 minutes, you're just taking that liquid and running it back over the turkey. It's so tender. And uh, the I got to try some of it, and it was just the tender. I, I thought I was eating chicken, you know, like uh -huh. how soft the breast meat was on that turkey. And it was just so much flavor. I, I killed it. I surprised myself. Like it was awesome. I wasn't nice. expecting it to be as good as it was, but I, I nailed it. I mean, I, you know. Yeah, I mean, I would have had no doubt. I know how my body will throws down in the kitchen. If you would have told me, if you had texted me and be like, I'm nervous about roasting this fucking turkey tomorrow, I'd be like, don't be. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> come on. If but I was it. roasting the turkey, you could be nervous. You'd be like, I'm going to get motherfucking salmonella from this. No, dude. I, I, 
Just, you know, I'd never done it before. Like, not a whole turkey. Like, I've roasted a chicken, but, you know. And then I just did it. And just looked up. You know, it's just, as long as you do your research, you can pull off any recipe. A little know-how just helps. Nice. Well, um, yeah, mine. Uh, I, I went over it last week, but my uh, Thanksgiving was nice, hanging out with the family. Um, I love your family. Man, they and they were in, in rare form, as always. They're so much fun, and they're so nice. Um, Goose, man, he was in rare form. What did he do? Uh, he just, just did, did nothing crazy, just typical Goose stuff. Building giant fires in his fire pit. Fucking having like some tasty dude. cocktails. You know, listening to some jams on his uh, Bluetooth speaker. Goose um, knows how to do a holiday. He does. I, Goose likes having, like, hosting people at his house. I'm sure it's he stressful does. to have that many people at your house, but man... If it is stressful for him, it doesn't show. This man was whipping up Philly cheesesteaks late at if, night on uh, Thanksgiving night, mixing cocktails, having a fire pit going. If I know Goose, like I think I know Goose, like it's that same feeling that you just love having people over to your house and taking care of them, like showing them a good time, and it turns out to be a good time. Everyone's happy and enjoying themselves, and you're being the best host. It feels good. It's kind of Martha Stewart, but uh, I don't know. It's Martha also kind of Hugh Hefner. Yeah, yeah. Goose is equal parts Martha Stewart, Hugh Hefner. Well, I won't say equal parts. Goose has got a lot of flavors. Goose is a very complex culinary dish of a person. Yeah. It's got a lot of flavors. It's got a little Boomhauer from King of the Hill in there. A little Daryl from The Walking Dead. A little uh, Martha Stewart. A little Hugh Hefner. A little, yeah. uh, thank God I'm a country boy. <laughs> well, do you want to uh, get into some news here so we can bang that out? Yeah. We got two pieces of news this week. Uh, one Rogue One related and one Episode 8 related. So uh, why don't we start with the one that is um, most relevant at the time, seeing as that we're only two weeks away from the release of the movie, and that's the Rogue One news. Um, this week, uh, Felicity Jones was on Jimmy Fallon. We're in the home stretch, uh, leading up to the release. So that means all these actors are going to be making promo appearances on talk shows and there will probably be lots of clips shown, but today we got, or I guess it was last night, got our first look of a actual clip, completed clip with music and everything from Rogue One, a Star Wars story. And, uh, what'd you think about the clip? Well... I thought it was well, just of her and Jimmy Fallon. That was funny. I mean, she came off yeah, you know, she comes sweet off real good. and funny and with a good sense of humor. She was laughing a lot. But uh, Jimmy Fallon played that right. He That was hilarious. I, I just thought it was a good little bit. And uh, But the clip was epic. Like, absolutely epic. It showed, you know, so much action and then, like, a sense of humor, like, in there. Yeah. Yeah, so basically, uh, the clip is Felicity Jones and Diego Luna whipping the shit out of a bunch of uh, stormtroopers. And what I liked about it is the action was very clear and easy to follow. I have a problem with some of the superhero movies where, like, and, and it's especially bad in, like, those Transformers movies where I can't, like, I'm paying super close attention, but I can't really tell what's going on. Yeah. It's so fast-paced and sort of blurred and loud, you know what I mean? And um Yeah. And that's not the case with all of them like, you know, the the airport sequence in Civil War. Yes. I felt that was really well choreographed. I could tell what was going on, who was doing what. 
pretty much at all times. Um, so, like I said, it's not always with those movies, but sometimes the action can be a little hard to follow from a, like, what the fuck is going on type of standpoint. Right. Um, so that's one thing I really liked. And, yeah, the the sense of humor, it's got an excellent part with uh, K2SO. It shocked the hell out. I mean, like, it surprised me because Felicity Jones takes down a stormtrooper, grabs his blaster rifle, and shoots a droid in the shoulder. It looks like K2SO. We know that those are sort of a common Imperial enforcer droid, but, like, I thought it was K2SO. His, his lights went out in his eyes, and he fell over, and I was like, holy shit. And then the real K2SO shows out, uh, steps out, and he's like, did you know that wasn't me? <laughs> right. And so she's good. like, yeah. Yeah. But I, the, right before that, you know, Diego Luna takes one out with his blaster or fires his blaster, and she goes right to just whipping his ass with her little tonfa and then, then starts to use her blaster, but she was kicking his ass. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was really good, man. Um, it was good. Did, did you happen to really take in the music at all? Uh, you know what? It put me there, and I, that was That's all a, I really exactly. thought about. Like, like it's not like, and, and you know, who knows um, what the full track is going to be about. Like, uh, we literally only saw 30 seconds of the the movie, but uh, it sounded Star Wars-y, and it didn't stick out to where I was like, that sounds bad. So that gives me lots of hope for my good buddy, Michael Giacchino. Ch- yeah. Oh, my God. I just said it wrong. Giacchino. You know, dude, I don't even, I can't even remember how to say it from time to time. Every time I talk about him, he's like, man, my balls feel moist. Like a <laughs> overweight kid from Alabama was just suckling me like a newborn pig. If the leader of his fan club hasn't gotten in touch with you, <laughs> they're missing out. Oh, there are you. There's going to be a fucking coup in the official Giacchino. <laughs> Giacchino. Fuck. I'm off my game tonight. Giacchino fan club. I'm going to take that shit over. Revolution. Um, but yeah, you know, there's not really a whole lot to discuss about the clip. It's just neat. Um, I don't know. I, I'm starting to wonder if maybe I'm going to start withholding myself from the TV spots and ads and clips and stuff because we're two weeks Think out. Think give too much away? I, I feel like I've seen a lot now and then. But the thing is, is every time one pops up, oh, I got to watch it. Um, finally getting my tickets really solidified the excitement for it because it's something i'm always a little anxious about even though i've never had a situation where i was like oh i didn't get tickets to star wars on opening night but uh, there's there's always that fear that this is going to be the first time you're not something's going to happen you're not going to get tickets so um i'm looking forward to it we got a got a pretty good group going uh this year so i uh Man, I can't wait. Um, it's going to be a good time. So, next up on the news agenda, and this is our final piece of news. We've got a few emails to get through this week because I didn't cover them all last week because I wanted to save some for while Will was or for when Will was here, rather. And uh, the second piece of news is pretty quick. Um, John Williams said in an interview with Variety that he is going to start work on. Episodes 8 score next month and expects to work on and off to have it completed by like April. That's good. That's awesome, man. Um, the, the schedule for episode 8 is 
got to be, uh, they must be enjoying it being much more leisurely than The Force Awakens. Because I knew, I know that shit went down to the wire. You know, as far as the score and, and, and you know, locking picture and things yeah. like that. Um, so, it's got to be nice that they have a little more breathing room this time. Although, I'm sure, you know, there'll probably be effect sequences and things like that that aren't completely nailed down until pretty close to the release. But... Still, you know, a little more time. Um, but yeah, sounds good to me, man. Um, it's going to sound great. I'm just glad he's still around to do it. Yeah, I'm just just uh, crossing fingers. The old fella can finish up episode nine. And then if that's when he wants to step away, I'm not saying he's got to die after episode nine. He could be immortal for all I care. He could be <laughs> fucking fighting the Kurgan in New York I City. Mean, just for everything he's done for movie scores in my lifetime and before my lifetime is epic. You know, he defined movies, soundtracks that were the best for me. Yeah. Yeah. And that was one thing in this article with variety that was sort of a bummer is he was sort of expressing his disappointment in the performance of that movie, the BFG, the big friendly giant. Yeah. That newest uh, Spielberg movie, which was apparently a pretty huge flop. And, you know, it, it's going to happen. Um, I just don't I don't see John Williams ever doing did he, anything. That'll did be he feel a, like he just put a lot of effort into that? Yeah, I'm sure, you know. I mean, he's an old he's an old fella, so, like, I'm sure any score he's doing nowadays, he's like, that was rough. That was a rough yeah. one. Like, I'm getting too old for this shit. I'm getting too old for this. Lethal weapon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 1984 or whenever it came out. I don't know. All right. So uh, what do you say, buddy? That's like I said, that's our two little quick pieces of news. That sounds good. Uh, You want to jump into some emails with me? You know, I do. I love emails. All right. First up, we got our buddy Richie from Boston. I didn't read this one last week. Nice. Uh, Halls and Will. I have to take a minute to fanboy out here as I just watched the most recent episode of Rebels. On other shows, I had stated that I want some more stories of consequence. But as I watch more and more, I'm starting to formulate a more cognate opinion on the matter. It isn't necessarily the throwaway episodes that I dislike. What I don't like is the lack of anything consequential happening to our heroes. Take Ahsoka, for instance. Does she die at the end of Season 2? Does she live? Who knows? All I do know is that the mystery, to me, cheapens the character of Darth Vader. That's never good. Leia, Lando, both felt like cheap cameos. Darth Maul. The dude manages to escape every situation he's put in, only to resurface every time they need some ratings. I'll get you next time, Gadget. Next time. Oh, no. With all that said, for some odd reason, I really enjoyed the Iron Squadron. Sure, it may have come off a little silly, but I really found it charming. The animation is really hitting its stride. Maybe it's the 4K television, but there were some gorgeous shots in this show. And I loved that YT model freighter. I enjoyed the fact that they incorporated the sounds and designs of the Millennium Falcon. To me, stuff like that adds to the density of the universe even more. It's like the Falcon is a 6065 Mustang, and this new ship is a 69 (laughs) Mustang. Some basic (laughs) car, same basic car, more ship. Really well done. 
Yeah, the pilot of the episode was a bit cheesy, but we got some fun new characters, great animation, an interesting little expansion of the universe, and a ton of great space battle action. It appears to me that the Rebels team is beginning to coast into Rogue One, so I don't expect to see anything of consequence for a while. However, if they keep putting out fun episodes like this, then I'm down. Very entertaining. Richie from Boston. So, Will, uh, when he's talking about that YT freighter crate, um, you know, from that episode of Rebels? Yeah, you is know there what? like a more modern year Millennium Falcon? No, you know what it was? It was uh, the same model as Dash Rendar's Outrider. We got oh. to see the same ship, but it wasn't the Outrider. You know what I'm saying? I see. Super nice little, uh, little I don't know, Easter egg or callback to that. Um that's so, flat top chewy, right? Yep, yeah, flat top chewy, kitten play chewy. <clears throat> um an interesting thing that came out, you know, they do that show Rebels Recon after each episode of Rebels where they sort of break down elements of the show. Yeah. Um an interesting little bit of information that came out from Pablo Hildago, that ship design was actually created first for the special edition of New A New Hope because you see it leaving um Moss Eisley. Yeah. You see it like in the background. So they yeah. came up with the model and the design. And then when they needed a ship for Dash Rendar for Shadows of the Empire, they were like, well, we'll just use that. Oh, okay. So a lot of people would assume that it was the other way around. They came up with it for Shadows <laughs> of the Empire. Put it in there backwards. And then, yeah, and then put it in the movie. But it was actually the other way around. All right. So we got uh, my buddy Carl, fellow Boba Fett fan from the UK. Writing in, how how's it go? Oh, how do Halls and Will? It's your buddy Carl, aka Bubba Son, from over the pond in the United Kingdom. Just catching right up on. with your older podcast, and I'm new to it after Johnny and Mikey and the Halls Meister plug it every week on Rogue One. I've listened to a few now, and you guys do a fantastic job. Well, to my question, we're not sure about a crawl at the beginning of Rogue One. Actually, we are now. This is a little older of an epi- uh, uh, email. No crawl in Rogue One. Did you hear that official news, Will? No crawl. No crawl. People have seen the first 20 minutes at press events. Well, that's cool. I didn't think there... Yeah. But will will be in Episode 8. But what do you guys think or want it to say is it starts immediately where Luke and Ray... Where we left Luke and Ray. Keep up the podcast. Your Your Carl... You're Carl with May the Force Be With You. Carl, did you have a couple beers before you wrote this one, buddy? <laughs> I'm just fucking with you, Carl, because I'm telling you, if you read my emails, you'd be like, oh, I didn't realize that poor little boy in the wheelchair was illiterate. Oh, no. <laughs> I am uh, I just type. I type so quick, and then I don't proofread, so I just type and hit send, and then I'm like, oh, that makes no sense. I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> Sometimes it just happens. <laughs> so, yeah, assuming... That there's not some uh, sort of chicanery up, and there, and there's not a flashback that goes back to where we left Luke and Ray. And episode eight really does start off with Luke and Ray, um, where we left them in, in episode seven. What do you think the crawl is going to cover? Honestly, I'm okay with it as long as it sets the scene. It could tell us what's up with Kylo Ren. You know what happened to him. Like there yeah. may be some information about how the story has progressed in between time that will help just going right into what they're, you know, Ray and Luke. 
Right. You know what they're up to while they're like you may about to be a, watching a bunch of them training, but it's gonna have to tell you, you know. So I think what the order's been up to, I guess. You're you could give an update on the state of the galaxy since the Republic has been crippled, since the right. Senate and everything has been blown up. Because that's could, where you would want to mention the political stuff, right? You could mention um, the state of the First Order after losing Starkiller Base and a huge chunk of their forces. Um, you could mention maybe something to do with whatever's going on with these three, you know, we're getting three new fairly significant characters. One played by, um, Benicio del Toro, who always looks like he needs a goddamn shower. Have you, you know, <laughs> have you ever just seen one of those people that you're like, I'm sure you shower all the time. I'm sure you're a clean individual, but goddamn, do you, do you shower? Cause you looking greasy, buddy. I feel like um, he's got those those dark colored eyes like think, right yeah. under where his eyes he looks are. like he's never slept a wink in his life like he and smoked cigarettes like you know 20 a oh, day yeah. oh no 20 packs a day like and he's got that blackness in where his eyes are it makes him look dirty he he like rubber bands the whole pack together and just smokes it at once yeah um so we got him we got laura dern and we got kelly marie tran so Maybe something to do with one or a couple of those. And, you know, I think it's easy enough. I mean, when I say easy, I would not take I would not take the job writing the, the crawl for episode eight. But no, hell no. I mean, if you told me what was going on, I'd do my best. But I mean, it might be cool to know what's going on. So we got our good buddy Brad writing in from Canada. We're we're fucking international tonight. A little UK, a little Canada. Um, and spoiler alert, maybe we're going to even get a little Swedish. <laughs> what if we get to the point one day where we're like, dude, I'm, I'm big in China. Like, <laughs> Hey, Will and Halls, and insert guest name here. No guests this week, Brad. Ever since the rumors of an Obi-Wan film has voiced their opinion on what the movie should be about, there are some real good ones out there, some even on this podcast. So obviously, I'm going to tell you about my idea. I don't think I've heard this before, but it's been said. But if it's been said, I did not mean to steal someone's thunder. What if they just never do an Obi-Wan film between 3 and 4? In the real world, it would never happen because Ewan, Ewan's up for it and Disney likes money. However, the in-universe implications of nothing of note happening to Obi-Wan is quite heartbreaking. This one, once great Jedi spends around 20 years of his life living an inconsequential existence. I think it would make the failure of the Jedi and the events of Episode 3 feel much more significant and tragic. It may even add a level of depth to Obi-Wan's character. Even though he has been waiting for 20 years, he still hasn't let up his vigilance of protecting Luke. He saves Luke from the Tusken Raider quite quick, despite the fact that it would be really easy to become complacent or distracted with nothing going on. I would love to hear your thoughts. What is your favorite Obi-Wan movie idea you've heard? Completely unrelated, can you Blue Harvest listeners come up with a good duo name for our favorite duo? I never know what to put first in the email and try to mix it up. It would be way easier if it could be a better version of Hill up there. I guess Hill, like Halls and Will, like Brangelina. Right. You guys could just call us Brangelina if you want. I don't know. Maybe not. That was dumb. Eh, 
swinging a mouse. Also, Sw- I hear it's <laughs> also I hear it's Thanksgiving in America as of me writing this. I mean, Canada had it like a month ago, but we can't be all as current and great as Can- Canada. Can't be all as great and current as Canada. Eh? Winky face. <laughs> anyway, happy Thanksgiving. Well, I hope you had a good Thanksgiving a month ago, Brad. Yep, I hope it was good. And I hope you have a good Boxing Day coming up. That's the Canadian version of Christmas, right? Oh, yeah, eh? Is it? Am I wrong about that? I have no idea. I, I do it. not know. I can't even make fun because I don't know. I want to go to Canada so fucking bad. What, do they just like have a bunch of fights? Oh, it would be awesome if it is Boxing Day and it, it's it's like Rocky Boxing. But it's mm-hmm. not. I think it's boxing because, like, you know, get yeah, presents and boxes. Canada, eh? <clears throat> All right. Um... I agree like there is something that just adds sort of a sad appropriate note if Obi-Wan never has a huge adventure in between three and four that's true like if you just never touch that and you don't leave it it just makes it much more tragic you go from being a general and then like uh in in the Jedi order and, and hanging around with people like fucking Yoda and Kia D. Mundy and Plo Koon and Kit By Fisto. label himself calls it the dark times. Yes, to living in the dark times on a desert planet. Fucking Tuscan Raiders all up in your shit. Un- uh, Owen Lars is nothing like his kick-ass dad, Klieg. He's a total tool. Yeah. Um, that being said, I agree with Brad that like, I think it's a matter of time before Disney goes forward with an Obi-Wan. I mean, here's the deal. Movie. If you can cast a Professor X you like and a Magneto you like, you know, and then it, I think it all largely de- depends on the success of Rogue One. You know, if Rogue One is really successful, Disney will feel like they've got the green light to make other stories in the universe. You know, there may, you know, if it does bad, there'll be this trepidation to stick to the big production of the canon movies. I mean, well, not canon, <coughs> the saga. Well, see, this is the thing. I actually think Disney is going to sort of play the, the waiting game. Um, if Rogue One were to come out and be a bomb, granted with its current box office projections, I think that's damn near impossible at this point. Um, it, but really, it, it all comes up into repeat viewership. Um, I think they're going to wait to see how Han Solo does as well. Because, you know, Rogue One's untested waters, all new characters. You throw Vader in there for a little fucking nostalgic spice. That's true. That's you know very true. I mean? you're, you're messing with the main character at that point. But, uh, like, if Han Solo was to come out and bomb, then, then you know, maybe they would think otherwise. Now, granted, if it came and out and did what, huge, huge, huge crazy numbers, then maybe they would steer more to established characters. You know what I'm doing? Doing movies yeah. based on established characters and, and focus more on that than side stories with new characters, which... I want to see a mix of both, to be honest. I want some if, Rogue One stuff. I want some Han Solo stuff. If I think about it, you know, as Disney, they may be playing the long game. They're just waiting for you and McGregor to get old enough to put some age on to where they feel like it's believable. Because that dude still looks young. You know, like... It could be, you know. They could, could be playing the long game on that one. They're like, we'll get him when he really needs it, you know. I can't remember which one of our buddies talked about the... Maybe it was Evan when I had him on. I can't remember. Someone was talking about how it could be like a uh, Obi-Wan versus... 
maybe it was an email. Damn, whoever it was, I'm real sorry. Um, Obi Wan versus like a Tuscan clan leader. Do you remember that email? I do. Or I do remember brought it. that up. I think that's a cool idea. Um, I'm telling you right now, a lot of people are like Obi Wan versus Darth Maul. I don't see that happening. I just don't. And in fact, like that's the one thing I think you got to do if you do an Obi Wan movie in that time period is. You got to go in there knowing you're not going to see a lightsaber duel because it's not going to be Darth Maul and it's absolutely not going to be Darth Vader. So, for the people, I mean, it, you could play it right with Darth Maul, but it would be hard because yeah. of everything you've done with him so far. Like you could, you could put him in there and they could fight and he could kill him again, and you would. In the people that haven't known what went on in Rebels could just be like. Oh, he came back from that time he killed him in episode one. But anyone that hadn't seen it would need to be explained that. So I don't know, you know. So uh, next up, we got our good buddy Joe. Calls him well. I hope you're doing well. Enjoyed a great Thanksgiving. You both deserved it. I have a question based on a recent Star Wars hire. Amelia Clark was recently hired for the Han Solo movie. That raised two questions. First, is she playing a female version of Boba Fett who tries to seduce Han Solo with dragons and nude baths? Holy shit. Joe, Amelia Clark as Lady Boba Fett? I know what I'm going to be thinking about as I go to bed tonight. <laughs> I know exactly what you are. Hold on, Will. I can hear it. Oh, I know you can't. I'm beating no shit like it owes me money. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm only partially kidding, but here's my real question for you. Is there an actress whose work is semi-known but not exactly considered A-list that you want to see in a future Star Wars movie? It can either be an episodic film or a standalone film. I would not ask this question if I didn't have my own answer. Obviously, my first choice is Silas Carson, but if I had a second choice, I'd go with Walton Goggins. I first came across Walton Goggins when he played Boyd Crowder in Justified. Timothy Oliphant got lots of praise for Justified, and deservedly so, but Goggins was 1A to Oliphant's 1 performance. Goggins also made a brief but memorable performance in the second G.I. Joe movie, which was better than critics and fans rated it. Anyway, do you have any thoughts? If Star Wars is going to grab other actors from the show community, why not Alison Brie and her huge tracks of land? Thanks to you two and your listeners, as usual, you're the best, Joe. Man, I, I would be down with Allison Brie in Star Wars. Yeah, I'm a so fan. would I. I am a fan. Um, so is there any uh, unheralded actors you would like to see in, uh, in a Star Wars movie? I That's such a, I can't even, you know, I can't think of one right off the, the top of my head. Maybe if I had some time. You go ahead and... See, it's tough for me because I, I don't have, like, my guy when it comes to acting. I You know, I love Ben Affleck, but I don't see every Ben Affleck movie. I'll see every Ben Affleck-directed movie, but, you know, that's not to you, say every... You know what's, what may sound it? cheesy? I just thought of one. Like Who's that? Jackie Chan. You'd you know, like I to would see like Jack to see Jackie Chan as a Jedi Master. <laughs> okay, so... I could see that. I, I could see that being cool. Definitely not unheralded, though. I know who I'd like to see who I consider to be sort of unheralded, and it's very much in the same vein as Tony Jaa. That would be cool. Tony Jaa is 
to me now what Van Damme was to me when I was a little pup, when I was a little kid. Uh, damn, I love me some Tony Jaw. Ong Bak, Ong Bak 2, The Protector. Ong Bak 3, not great. The Protector 2, not great. But those those other three, fucking mm, mwah, amazing martial arts movies. You will believe a man can fly, as they said in the <laughs> Superman trailers from back in the day. Which is the one with the long eight-man shot oh, uh, down the spiral staircase? That is The Protector, also known as Tom I can't remember the the tie. It's listed yeah. as both ways, but I believe the U.S. version is just called the Protector. It's so good. It's so good. It's, it is good. Um. Anyway. As um. Unhar- and then see, uh, like, uh, I'm just trying to think of actors that would make good Jedi or Sith, and like that was just the first. I don't I'd know like that to see that and be real chill, you know. I don't know that he is unheralded, but Terry O'Quinn, John Locke from Lost. Yeah. Jesus Christ, I would love to see him in a Star Wars movie. Even though yeah. it would be one of those things that I'd be like, "That's Locke. That's not whatever his name is, fucking Manny Bothans or whatever." Yeah, that's, I know that's what you mean. John Locke. Um, I'd love to see him. I'd love to see Hurley from Lost, Jorge Garcia, uh, in a in a Star Wars movie. That's I would just sit, end up sitting here naming Lost characters that I'd like to see in Star Wars. You would. Um, all right, let's see. Next up, we got an email from our buddy Michael, and I think I think Michael might be from Australia. If I'm not, we're hitting four countries today. U.S. Wow. We're going to hit five before the night's over. Spoiler alert. Greetings, Will and Halls. Rogue One is upon us, and finally, that excitement of a new Star Wars movie being only around the corner has hit me hard. That itch of excitement, that warm, fuzzy feeling is starting to intensify. That feeling which would prevent sleep the night before the big day. It's something all us Star Wars fans know all too well. I was worried, though. I wasn't feeling much of that excitement at all. I knew I was looking forward to Rogue One, but didn't find myself buzzing for it like I thought I should be. But I was sitting in the cinema a few days ago, and the most recent trailer for Rogue One came on, and despite seeing it a million times prior, it hit me like a sack of bricks. Holy shit, this is a new Star Wars movie, and fuck, I'll be devouring that in only a couple of weeks. So there it is, at long last, the buzz of true excitement that only a Star Wars freak can truly comprehend. It was strange how much of a relief it was. So Will, Halls, and listeners, has that buzz hit you left? Yep. Your buddy, Mike. P.S. Just before I hit send on this email, the thought came to mind what I was looking forward to the most about Rogue One. Although there is plenty about the movie which I'm frothing at the mouth for, oddly enough, the part I'm the most curious about is the lack of an opening crawl. I'm just super curious to see how they open it, open the movie. Is there any particular moment of Rogue One you guys are looking forward to? <clears throat> so really, we got a question, um, two questions. Has the buzz hit me? Absolutely. Well, what about you? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Seeing it on TV, like the very just seeing yeah. the commercials on TV. That's really the stuff coming on. Like tight. that's really hitting it home. Seeing it in other commercials, like there are. It's a holiday commercial for Star you know, Wars. Like, for Star Wars, for Rogue One, seeing that the one with the Nissan Rogue and that whole battlefield coming alive, dude, I like just that'd be a sweet experience. Just driving through mm-hmm. a Star Wars battlefield. Um, and just off the top of the, my head, uh, when I was reading this PS, the first thing that came to mind I'm looking forward to, 
and there's a lot, but I'm looking forward to seeing that fucking space battle. The X-Wing space battle yeah. on, on the space station or whatever that is. Because <clears throat> that's really the one thing you didn't get a whole lot of in The Force Awakens. Yeah, yeah. So I'm glad to see that. Really glad to see that. And there's, I mean, there's not a single character that I'm not excited to to learn more about and see more of. All right, so we it's, got, you know, what were we going to say, bud? I was just going to say it's that universe. Like, we love it. It's a joy to get to see more about it. Yes. Um, next up, I believe we got a first-time writer. We do. And uh, this is what he has to say. Hi, diddly ho, Halls and Will, Sir Ass Crusher. First time writing in, and I just love the show, guys. Fridays are already the holy grail, but having your podcast to light speed me into the weekend, and weekend is icing on the Bantha milk cake. <laughs> now, can I get a big Rogue One? Rogue One tickets, baby! Woo! Let's talk <laughs> lightsabers. There seems to be two different camps. Those that want Rey to keep Anakin's lightsaber throughout the sequel trilogy, and those that want her to build her own lightsaber. I'm firmly in the build-her-own camp. I mean, that is a rite of passage to becoming a Jedi, correct? Plus, I like the fact that each Jedi has, has their own personal lightsaber. I'm firmly... Oh, fuck. Uh, don't get me wrong. I love Anakin's lightsaber, and it's my favorite in Star Wars. Which would you guys prefer, and which do you guys think will actually happen? Again, love the show, guys. May the Force be with you. P.S. Hall's not sure if you have Think Inc. locations in the mall near you, but Think Inc. seems to be getting the Revan Wave Black Series figures. I'll keep an eye out for you. Obi-Wan, Revan, and Sabine, I must have from that wave. Okay, so first up, we'll cover um, the lightsaber issue. What do you think, Will? I would be okay if she kept that lightsaber all the way through, but really? I'm very sentimental, and it would it would change. I mean, think about the legacy of that lightsaber, right? It would change the story of that lightsaber. If it happens again, if that lightsaber fuels her rise in power as a light side and then some epic failure to lose it, you know, like... Each time that lightsaber has been lost, it's cost a limb. Like that is true. Um, it cost three the first time. It cost a hand the second time. If it, you know, it may cost her something. I mean, it, it, if it's the curse of that that lightsaber. I am in the camp of I want to see her build her own. I would love to see her build her own. Like, you know, I like uh, I love that that saber was the focal point pretty much of the Force Awakens to an to a degree. And it gives it this real Arthurian legend, the passing down of Excalibur type deal. You know what I mean? Which is kind of what Kylo Ren did with Darth Vader's helmet. Right. You, there's already a precedent set for, I guess, enshrining the the tools of the past or you know, objects, relics, symbols. She may make her own and just out of respect you know, put that somewhere safe. I don't know. Yeah. I don't want to see her lose it, but I do want to see her build her own. And as far as think geek uh, locations, I don't think we have them around here, but that is good to know. Cause I am hunting for that Revan figure. like a madman, like a madman. Yeah. All right. So we got one more email in our regular section, then two emails after that, that have to do with catalyst. So, all right. Like I said, we're going around the world in eight emails. Next up, we got our buddy Oliver. Is it really? Yes, it is. Dude, this is the international version mm. of 
This is the international male version of Blue Harvest. Yes, it is. It's the continental breakfast episode. And we mean continental. Hey, guys, your Swedish buddy Oliver over here. I appreciate you guys talking about my homeland and our music in the last episode. I'm not really into metal myself, except Stone Cobra, of course. But since I'm Swedish, I do have some knowledge about the genre. I have a lot of metalhead friends, and I'm from Gothenburg, so I've seen both Graveyard and In Flames live. That is awesome, buddy. I've seen (laughs) In Flames a couple of times. Amazing show. Unfortunately, I never got to see Graveyard before they broke up. Speaking Hawes' language. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we went on some music tangents last week with Steve and Jeremy. We did. Oh, yeah, that's right. So there's only two weeks left until Rogue One, and my excitement has gotten better. I do have a question for you this week, though. Do you think that the, we'll ever see the same lightsaber fights the prequels did ever be brought back into post-Return of the Jedi canon? If there's something that the prequels did great, it's the lightsaber fights. I loved the OT fights between Luke and Vader, but I have to say that the over-choreographed lightsaber fights from the prequels look a lot cooler and is way more exciting. Some people say that the fights in the way in the OT have more emotion to them, and this is used to bring the plot forward. Not just some laser sword that everybody in the whole movie has and pulls out every 10 minutes. I do agree with this, but I could still see, see them using the lightsaber sparingly, but having these awesome fights. I hope you are well and are excited for Rogue One. Thanks for making the podcast, guys. Oliver. Um, you know, I, I don't know if we'll ever get to the point of, like, the Phantom Menace. Um, it will take... I, it may be around that long, but it'll take a while. Just because, you know, how exclusive it is in the galaxy. Yeah. I they mean, were reduced to two, you know? Like, there's not a whole order. Right, you know I can see them getting there eventually. They will. I'm I'm sure they will. It would be odd if in episode eight, uh, Kylo and Ray and Luke, you know, fucking all cross swords, and all of a sudden they're fucking flipping around as like they were in the prequels and stuff. Which right. I agree I'm, with. I love the lightsaber fights from the prequels. I'm not even saying in you know episode twelve. Like it may take them a long time to build an academy. Um, I'm hoping and that eventually the styles will be different. Yeah, you know, if you think about it archaeologically, which I know is a nerd thing to say, but the, all those different styles were just wiped out. You know, they'll either have to be created from scratch or found in holocrons or a book or, you know, something. Um, yeah, yeah, that um, that'll be interesting. Now, if they ever do a standalone movie set during the prequel era that features Jedi, then they absolutely better do that style of lightsaber fighting. Um, I felt like The Force Awakens was really good uh, as far as the lightsaber battle at the end. And it was more, there was more movement and more action than, than an original trilogy movie, but not as much as the prequel. It's somewhere in the middle. I would say uh, going closer to the original trilogy f- style. But as Rey becomes more competent in her power and, uh, and Kylo grows in power, I could see it becoming a little more flashy for sure. I just see, you know, it's still, like you were saying, that Excalibur in quality, like, it still maintains that. You know, it's just, there's only really one person using a lightsaber in the galaxy and one person using a, uh, you know, Kylo Ren's crazy <laughs> ancient lightsaber. Right, which is more They're like so, a broadsword anyway. Right. It's so epic and exclusive to those characters at the moment. Right. It's very powerful. There will be a point where it becomes 
you know, as Jedi grow and more evil Jedi appear and good ones get trained, I just don't know how long it's going to take, but it would be cool. Yeah, it would be. I mean, if you could, I, I hope they, it develops, you know, I'm sure it will. I'm sure people don't want to go back to that exact same style of lightsaber because fighting because, you know, of some of the negative connotation that the whole prequel got, there will be some scare there anyway. And they'll just try to, everybody will try to make something new. It'll progress, I think. That's what I was going to say. It's really going to be up to the director that's, and and that's doing the movie and what they prefer. You know, clearly JJ Abrams, you know, sort of preferred more of the OT original trilogy style. And, uh, you know, who who knows how these people are going to take it. And maybe they'll want something a little more flashy. All All right. right. So, guys, that is it for the regular portion of our show. From this point forward, we're going to be discussing the book Star Wars Catalyst by James Lucino in detail, full-on spoilers. So if you haven't finished the book and you don't want any spoilers, then uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. So, Will, uh, I guess it's it's probably been close to a month now uh, that Catalyst came out. And this yeah. book, written by James Lucino, who I dig as a Star Wars author, he does good Star Wars, um, is basically the backstory um, that basically fills in the relationship between Galen Erso and Lyra Erso, Jen's parents, and yeah. director Krennic. So just real quick for a synopsis, Galen is like a beautiful mind type smart. You know what I'm saying? He's obsessed with developing clean energy. He basically gets into this program for super smart kids and ends up, you know, becoming a scientist. He is, and what's cool about this book is it sort of covers a lot of Clone Wars era type stuff, but he decides that he doesn't want to use his research for bad, so he goes to like a neutral world, right? Right. And unbeknownst to him he's all like caught up in his science shit um the separatists come in and take over the the um the world he's on and shit starts to go south the separatist yes the separatist so the droid army yeah yeah like i said it takes place during a, a good little portion takes place during the clone wars right so director krennic shows up he's not director at this point um shows up and he knew Galen from like that that special kids education program, program or whatever, right? He shows up cuz they became friends and he shows up and saves Lyra and Galen and transfers them to Coruscant and basically manipulates Galen to work on his clean energy project but takes all his research and gives it to people for the purpose of working on the Death Star. They they can weaponize it. Exactly. So, um, as we've sort of found out through different sources and stuff, what uh, Galen is doing is working on kyber crystals to try and use them to um, create clean energy, right? Right. Um, But the the thing is, is like he figures out that, that they can... Uh, produce energy and stuff but what happens is it, it like fragments it, it it refracts energy so it like causes destruction it goes all crazy and shit but he basically finds a way to cut the kyber crystal or some shit 
to make it sort of... He's trying to do what Jedi do with a lightsaber without having the Force. He's trying to focus the energy from the kyber crystal into a beam to create clean And that's energy. what he does with all those separate lasers. Yes. He focuses well, it into one laser. Well, what happens is... So Galen Erso, or, or, or Director Krennic, gives him all kinds of kyber crystals to work with. And Lyra, by the way, Lyra is definitely sort of a lore Santeca type, Church of the Force type person. She's not Force sensitive, as right. far as it seems, but she worships the Force. She believes in its teachings, that sort of thing. Yeah. She notices from the size and shape of the kyber crystals that the ones he's been given to research on are probably kyber crystals from fallen Jedi sabers, you know, after the, you know, Order 66 goes down, right? Right. And she is not cool with it, right? And so, um, you know, some shit goes down. I'm trying to be real quick and, and not go into... Cra I'm no, trying no, no. to give you the most pertinent details. Yeah, the right? deets. Um, Jen is in it as a kid, but she's not really super in the forefront. Like, she's just a rambunctious kid sort of in the background and right. Yeah. Um, at one point, they're on Coruscant and... Lyra buys Jen or buys herself. I can't remember right now. There, there's a, a necklace bot. And I don't know if that's supposed to be that, that necklace that we saw in the trailer that everybody was assuming a, was a kyber crystal or if yeah. that was sort of just like smoke and mirrors and the one in the movie will actually be a kyber crystal. Well, but, uh, eventually, Galen and Lyra sort of figure out what's going on, right? And they get Saw Guerrera to help okay. them escape Coruscant and go into hiding. So they okay. escape. So director Krennic is pissed. Krennic is fucking pissed at this because he feels betrayed by Galen. And the thing is, is he leaves before the Death Star is finished. Like they're still having problems weaponizing his research, right? Right. So that's going to set up what we see in the trailers with Krennic and his death troopers showing up to to take Galen back, right? Yeah. So that's sort of the pertinent information. Oh, Krennic, by the way, is amazing in this book. If if they pull him off in the movie like they did in the book, man, he is going to fucking light up the screen with that fucking hashtag Mendo energy. Um. <clears throat> Another interesting facet of the book is the fact that Krennic and Tarkin fucking hate each other. Really? Yes, they do not get along. Um, so I'm sure we might be seeing that relationship in the movie to some extent. So, right. you know, just, uh, you know, like anything huge, not really, but nice little bits of backstory to really give you a feeling for these characters and stuff. So... Let me uh, get to these two emails. Uh, we got one from Tomas, or Buddy Tomas. He wrote this November 17th. And I, I wanted to wait until I finished the book to cover this. So um, we'll right. get to him. And then we got one from our buddy King Tom. Hey, okay. guys. Been a while. I know. I just finished the show I've been working on for the last couple of months. So I have some free time until the next week when we have auditions for the next show. Anyway, hopefully you and the rest of the wonderful people listening have read slash listen to catalyst if not go go do it <clears throat> it is easily one of my favorite books we've gotten so far 
It did leave me with a lot of questions, but for the sake of spoilers, I will divide my email into non-spoiler questions and spoiler questions. Oh, and I have a completely unrelated question. Also, sorry if this is a bit poorly written. I'm writing this on the Metro. Unrelated question. How do you feel about the Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher affair? I don't think it matters much after all these years, but maybe they were just method acting. Did you hear about that? Yeah, I did. Uh, I I meant to bring it up last time, actually, but I uh, forgot about it. And uh, I, it's not surprising. I mean, come on. It doesn't surprise me in the slightest. But I, I think it sucks that, you know, if, if it creates any negative feelings, it sucks. But I, it doesn't to me. Like, it, yeah. you know, it doesn't. I, I was just like, duh. Like, of course they hooked <laughs> it up, obviously. Okay. Now that Rogue One is right around the corner, and after that, Episode 8 is next, when do you think we'll get the episode title? I think sometime in the spring or really early summer. Uh, As far as Episode 8 title, I think I'm pretty hopeful and positive we're going to get a trailer at Celebration in April. So I could see them maybe revealing the title at the end of that trailer. I would think so. Yeah, if not, maybe we get it a few weeks before Celebration. And then we get the trailer at Celebration. Maybe they'll release the title first and then we'll get the trailer. But uh, I don't really know. Do they ever do that first? Do they ever release a poster first with the title on it? Or I mean, they've always released the title before we've gotten a trailer. Um, okay. But, you know, things could change. Right. Non-spoiler question. How many years does this book go through? I couldn't tell. Man, I'm going to agree. It, it, go, it, it spans a decent amount of time. I couldn't tell myself, buddy. Damn. What the hell is a standard year, week, day, month? Is there an unstandard time? You know, the thing about Star Wars is in the hugeness of the galaxy, time is a, a thing that's hard to pin down because how does it go? Does it go like I think days are different links on certain planets. Exactly. Like days, so days fucking confusing go. if you want to think about it, you know? There has to be a galactic standard time measurement unit. Yeah, and I'm sure that's what it is. It may not even is. be 24 hours. You know, like it may not. Honestly, whatever standard time is. I don't fucking know. If I start to think about that shit too much, it's just like, oh, I'm bad it's at probably math. probably simplified by based off you know, either a center planet or the seat of government. Yeah, I could see that maybe. All right, so we got some spoiler questions for him. Number one, holy crap, Saw Guerrera in the book. They worked him in so well, I thought. Did you like the way he was worked in? And do you think Saul visited the Ursos after the book ends and in between Rogue One? Um, I love the way he was worked in. Oh, by the way, Saul gives uh, Lyra, Jen's mom, like this this thing so she can contact him. Right. If she ever needs him. That's so cool. I have a feeling that's how Jen is going to know Saul. Like, I, for some reason, I kind of assumed that her and the Rebels meet Saw and had never met him before. So that was sort of a nice surprise in the book is that there was already sort of a relationship there. Um, as far as do I think they visit? he visited in between? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe he didn't see Jen again until, you know, they come and we'll take see. Galen. Do you think that the planet that the Ursos and Saw are going to in the end of the book is where it starts? Yes, I do. Yeah. Do you think Krennic finding Galen in the trailer is him finally tracking the Ursos down after he escaped? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Absolutely. Um, thanks for the email, Tomas. How's the Black Series hunting going, my man? All right. <clears throat> Here we go. 
King Tom, king of all times, has graced us with his royal presence for our email, or last email of the night, and then we'll wrap this up for you guys. Halls and Will, hope you guys are enjoying the last few weeks before Rogue One. The anticipation is killing me. I've had one of those thoughts in the car this morning that I just had to get out there, but it could give away an element in the ending of Catalyst, so those with sensitive ears may want to skip this email. Over the summer, there was an article about a visual effects company working on de-aging an Academy Award-winning actor or actress for a blockbuster coming out this month. Most of the speculation was that the movie they were working on is Rogue One, and the actor was either Carrie Fisher or Peter Cushing. But I had a thought. What if the speculation is wrong? What if it's Forrest Whitaker that's going to be de-aged to show a younger Saul Guerrero in the opening of Rogue One? Having him in Catalyst was a complete surprise, and it would make sense that he's the one that gets Jen started in her rebellious ways. Anyway, thanks for reading. 14 days left. Your pal King Tom. Yeah, boop. Okay, so um, I, I don't remember the exact details, but for some reason I believe it sort of came out that the movie that that special effects company was working on, the de-aging effects, might have been that movie Passengers that's coming out, that sort of sci-fi yeah. movie. I could be wrong about that. That being said, um, you know, when the Rogue One tickets went on sale, there was a clip that came out of what looked like Tarkin looking out the window of a Star Destroyer at the Death Star. That's true. I think it's very possible that they did do that. I think it's highly possible that they're going to do that with Leia. Um, now, Saw Gerrera, this is the thing. Would that Could that be the case? I absolutely think it could be the case. I, I, it could. The one reason I would say it may not is because of the two different versions of Saw Gerrera we've seen in the trailers. One was kind of Polynesian. Well, well, there's like there's bald Saul Guerrera, and then there's crazy hair Saul Guerrera. Okay. So I'm thinking if we see Saul Guerrera, uh, you know, rescuing Jin in the beginning, it'll be bald Saul Guerrera, young, and that's younger version. And then right. when we see him later in the movie, it'll be crazy hair Saul. Right. So that's kind of what I'm thinking. Now, will they will they sprinkle some ILM magic on there and make him? Look a little younger digitally when he's bald. Could be. Could be. Could be. But uh, I don't know, man. We may see him get crippled. and yeah, you know. <laughs> That's a good question. I wonder if, if when we see if him younger. If he is by the suit. Yeah. That's a good question. I didn't even think about that. Interesting. Well, I think that's going to about do it for us this week. Uh, thanks for recording with me, buddy. Oh, man. Thanks for having me on. You know, I love it. Um, we will, um, continue on course. Um, now, right now with the way Christmas is falling on a Sunday this year, I think we shouldn't have any problems getting an episode out for you guys that week or the next, but you know, things could get crazy with families and holidays and stuff. So if I can help it, we won't be taking any, um, any episodes off, but it may happen, may have to happen. Um, I don't want to make any promises about a post uh, Rogue One podcast because it did that last year and things sort of got all screwy and fell apart but we will definitely be discussing Rogue One in detail hopefully fairly shortly after the movie fingers crossed Um, Will is going to be a busy guy may not get to see it on opening night but we'll cross that bridge when we get there 
and uh, Who knows? and we'll have uh, a good old discussion with Will. Um, also, uh, in the next few weeks and in the new year, we're going to have a gaggle of guests returning and new coming. Um, we've been a little light on the guests recently, but that's just because Will and I have had hectic schedules and nailing down a time to record has been a little more difficult. Um, and for instance, I was working today and Will was like, hey, I can record tonight, so tonight's when we recorded, you know what I mean? Yeah, Hals is very kindly about it. Oh, man, I don't mind. As long as I'm not, you know, busy with work, I, I'll set up the shit and record with you whenever you're free, buddy. For and, the most part, it's just good to get to talk to you. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Damn, I, li- I miss you living in Birmingham, I miss buddy. you too, buddy. Man. I mean, I'll come I, visit soon. I, I, I love the fact that we, you de- decided to keep doing the podcast when you moved. But damn, it's just not the same sitting across the table, <laughs> looking at that beautiful fucking face, having some dumplings, having a good old oh. time. Steam dumplings. Damn, damn. But uh, just as a teaser, some guests we got coming up. We're going to have our buddy Calvin coming back. We're going to have our buddy Vader Nick coming back. That's We're going to have fucking our but my buddy Luke coming on sometime soon. He's the uh, the Funko Pop extraordinaire. Best Funko, yeah. Funko Pop collection I have ever seen. Oh. Solid dude. He's uh, He's told me some things he wants to discuss on the podcast. And boy, they are fucking excellent. Um, I'm going to have my old roommate from college, Bryce, on. He's coming down for the premiere of Rogue One. He was going to be on last year and couldn't, but we're going to make it happen this year. It's going to be great. I love Bryce. Um, Um, We're going to have... Oh, fucking King Tom's going to come on. Hell yeah. So this is my plan, Will. King Tom. All right. We'll have King Tom on solo. And then shortly after he makes his debut, we bring him back and we bring our buddy Joe back. And we finally put King Tom and Joe head to head, face to face, lips to lips. We have the great Kiadi Mundi showdown. It may not even be a showdown. I just want to get those two dudes just chatting and having a good time. We Um, should have the Kiadi Mundi roast and invite them. (laughs) That would be awesome. The the Blue Harvest Roast of Kiati Mundi. See how many dick jokes you can do in a minute. <laughs> Dickhead jokes. <laughs> um, and uh, we got some other people lined up. I'm, I'm starting to draw a blank. We have a star-studded season coming up, apparently. We do. We do. Trying to get the get back on the guest train. I like having got people on occasionally to differ up the yeah, opinions. Yeah, we got to have and, Goose Payne back on. Uh, without a doubt. I mean, Goose Payne, Steve, Jeremy... Uh, I would we need like, to get a clip of Nunny too. I'm surprised you didn't at Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah, yeah. Nunny, uh, having some memory issues in her older age, and oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not super terrible at this point, but I'd love to see her. She's, you know, she's in her 80s. Yeah. So you know, yeah. It's kind of a rough subject, actually. It was, um, it's it's not something that just sort of crept up and happened out of nowhere, but yeah, I'm sorry, dude. It was definitely worse than I've seen it yet this uh, this holiday. But you know, they have good days and bad days. <laughs> yeah, like and it just times. didn't feel right being like, "Hey, want to talk about dilly doos and how much you love John Claude Van Damme's butt?" So <laughs> yeah, that's totally understandable. No clip of nunny. Um, I'd love to have Nutty and Nutty, Nutty, not Nutty, Nutty and Miss Bone on again. It's been a while for them. Yeah, that'd be great. And just uh, Keith, future brother-in-law, 
fucking just call him It'd be good to hear from Jesse again, too. Jesse needs to make an appearance. Yes, absolutely. Really turn some people off with more talk of our sex life. Mm. But uh, that's what you guys can look forward to. And uh, thanks for listening, guys. We really appreciate it. You guys are super loyal. Our listeners are the best. Yeah, thanks, guys. Our Blue Harvest friends and family is just incredible. If you guys want to continue to be incredible and support the band that helped us out by letting us use their music for a theme song, you can do that. They are Stoned Cobra. You can get their music on iTunes, Spotify, and at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com. You can buy our merchandise, shirts, mugs, what have you, tpublic.com slash user slash Blue Harvest Podcast. And don't forget, in the coming weeks as you go to see Rogue One over and over again, use the Making Star Wars promo code in the Adam Tickets app, which you can get at atm.tk slash making star wars and the promo code is making star wars so do that help out the kids you got anything you'd like to add before we wrap it up buddy no man you you took care of the business all right guys well for blue harvest a star wars podcast i'm your host halls burkhart and i'm your host will witten may the force be with you may the force be with all of you may the force be with us <laughs>